Hello everyone and welcome back to our final bonus episode, looking at the questions that still hang over the Battle of Marathon. So far, we have looked at the theories that existed around how the Athenians and the Persians would deploy at the Bay of Marathon, with us then turning to how their lines of battle would face each other on the day of battle. This saw us looking at two main ways to interpret how Herodotus records events, some looking to take what he says literally to infer the Persians deployed with their backs to the sea, while others have sought to make sense of the terrain and the objectives of both to suggest their flanks were to the sea. The next question we turned to was around the depth of tactical reasoning that the Athenians used on the battlefield. We began with their arrival at Marathon and what would lead to their decision to establishing their camp where they did. This then saw us look to how deep this tactical thinking went. Did it look merely to respond to the Persian actions, or did the Greeks take measures to influence the outcome of the battle by drawing the Persians into actions that would favour the Greeks? Then last episode, we looked at the big question around where the Persian cavalry was. Herodotus makes a point of the Persians bringing cavalry on their campaign in 490 BC. Special transports were constructed for them, and we hear of them being active at Eritrea just before the Persians descended on the Attic coast. However, once at Marathon, we hear nothing more of them in Herodotus' account, and we are left to make our own best guess to where they were. This saw us look at a number of theories, ranging from the cavalry being rested, not making the journey to Marathon, being loaded onto the ships, and even the possibility that they were in the Persian line of battle. So, with us having looked at these questions and attempting to find the most likely answers, we now move on to the last question. This time, we look at a reported event that would take place after the Athenians were victorious over the Persians at Marathon. This supposed action would become the inspiration for the modern-day marathon race that is competed in to this day. However, for this tale, we need to look beyond Herodotus, though he will prove useful when looking at this story in a wider context. So let's start by turning to the events around the end of the Battle of Marathon. The Athenians would end up routing the Persian forces with them attempting to board their ships in the bay. We would then hear that a great melee would occur down at the shoreline, with it appearing the formations that had been fought in were no longer cohesive. The Athenians would lose a number of men during this phase of the battle as they attempted to capture some of the Persian ships or set fire to them. Herodotus tells us that seven of the Persian ships would be set fire to, but the majority would make it back out to sea. This point also gives some weight to the theory that the Persians were preparing to depart before the battle took place, which we looked at last bonus episode. Supposedly, 6,400 Persians were killed in the fighting, while 192 Athenians and 11 Plataeans would fall. Though, the rest of the Persian force was left intact and now back aboard their ships, and they looked to still make a move on Athens. For the Athenians, this was a concerning development since the majority of the fighting men were now some 40 kilometres away from their city. They had made the decision to engage the Persians away from Athens, so that they would not have to risk being caught within a siege. Now though, the Athenians at Marathon needed to react to this new development to protect their city. Herodotus would tell us that two of the tribes, those at the centre of the Greek battle line that had suffered the most during the fighting, would remain to guard the prisoners. The rest of the Greek force would then march back to Athens to defend the city from further Persian attempts to take it. The Greeks would arrive back at Athens before the Persian fleet had rounded the southern Attic coast, and would deploy themselves out near the Piraeus. The Persians would see this sight of a large hoplite army awaiting their arrival. Seeing their landing would be contested, they would abandon the campaign against Athens, not wanting to engage the force they had just been routed from at Marathon, 
they would end up sailing back for Anatolia. These would be the closing actions around the Battle of Marathon that Herodotus gives us in his account. However, there would be one additional action during this period that some later historians would record that would provide the inspiration for the marathon race that is competed in in our times. So let's look at what these later historians would record. Our first historian that we'll look at is Plutarch, who is famous for providing biographies and comparisons of ancient Greek and Roman figures. These presented in his Parallel Lives collections. Plutarch was writing over 500 years after the Battle of Marathon, during the 1st and 2nd centuries AD. As well as his Parallel Lives, Plutarch would also produce a collection of essays and speeches, and this is where we would find his reference to what appears to be the first marathon runner. This would be recorded in an essay known as the Glory of Athens. Plutarch would write, Again, the news of the Battle of Marathon, Therispius of Herodiae, brought back as Heraclides Ponticus relates. But most historians declare that it was Eucles, who ran in full armour, hot from the battle, and bursting in at the doors of the first men of the Senate, could only say, Hail, we are victorious, and straightaway expired. Yet, this man came as a self-sent messenger regarding a battle in which he himself had fought. Our second source for this marathon runner would come from a satirist known for his sarcasm. This was Lucian, who was from within Roman Syria. He would write nearly a hundred years after Plutarch was writing, and would record some of the same details. This could suggest that he was working from the knowledge of what Plutarch wrote, or had access to some other sources. The detail would be much the same, but the name of the runner would be different. Lucian would write when describing the origins of the word joy, being used as a greeting. The modern use of the word dates back to Philippides, the dispatch runner. Bringing the news of Marathon, he found the Archon seated in suspense regarding the issue of the battle. Joy we win, he said, and died upon his message, breathing his last in the word of joy. In both of these stories, the legend of a runner being sent from Marathon with news of the Athenians' victory at Marathon has developed. The most popular retelling of this tale has a figure named Pheidippides as running the 40 kilometres to Athens. But as we have just seen, both Plutarch and Lucian give different names for this runner. But the question still remains, did this initial marathon run actually take place, as these writers record? What makes this an action that we can question is the fact that the tale of this individual runner first appears some 500 years after the Battle of Marathon took place. With the stories and tales that Herodotus often likes to record in his histories, one would think he would have related this if it had actually taken place, as he was writing a generation after the battle. However, we can still turn to Herodotus to see if we can unlock a plausible explanation to this marathon run through other actions he does record. It has been proposed that with the passage of time, these other writers have muddled elements of the stories around Marathon, in particular a tale Herodotus records of a different long-distance run and his account of the need for the Athenians to have returned to Athens before the Persian fleet. So let's have a closer look at what Herodotus says around these. Herodotus would relate a story about a long-distance runner that also centres around the Battle of Marathon. However, his account would have this run taking place before the battle, and even before the Athenians were at Marathon. Also of note with Herodotus' story is that the feat presented would be even more impressive with the distance that had to be covered. He would write, While still in the city, the generals first sent to Sparta the herald Pheidippides, an Athenian and a long-distance runner, 
who made this his calling. As Pheidippides himself said when he brought the message to the Athenians, when he was in the Parthenian mountain above Tegea, he encountered Pan. Pan called out Pheidippides' name and bade him to ask the Athenians why they paid him no attention, though he was of good will to the Athenians, had often been of service to them and would be in the future. The Athenians believed that these things were true, and when they became prosperous, they established a sacred precinct, Pan beneath the Acropolis. Ever since that message, they honoured him with annual sacrifices and a torch race. This Phidippides was in Sparta on the day after leaving the city of Athens, at that time when he was sent by the generals and said that Pan had approached him. He came to the magistrates and said, Lacedaemonians, the Athenians ask you to come to their aid and not allow the most ancient city among the Hellenes to fall into slavery at the hands of the foreigners. Even now, Eritrea has been enslaved and Hellas has become weaker by an important city. He told them what he had been ordered to say and they resolved to send help to the Athenians. But they could not do this immediately for they were unwilling to break the law. It was the ninth day of the rising month and they said on the ninth they could not go out to war until the moon circle was full. So what Herodotus presents to us is what's known as an all-day runner being sent to try and secure Spartan assistance in the coming clash with the Persians. Herodotus' account suggests that men were trained in being able to achieve these sorts of feats so that messages could be delivered between cities as quickly as possible in a land where the terrain hindered travel by horse. Pheidippides would have to run nearly 250 kilometres in a day and a half. Also, even with the impressive nature of what Herodotus reports, Pheidippides would need to return to Athens in a timely manner so that they would be aware of the outcome of the message. In more modern times, many have questioned if what Herodotus reports was possible. Though in 1982 of our time, five British RAF officers wanted to test if the feat was possible. Three of the officers were able to complete the 250 kilometres with the fastest time being 34 and a half hours. The year after this, an annual event that is still run today was set up where competitors would run the roughly same route, known as the Spartathlion. The record time to complete the run stands at 20 hours and 25 minutes, which seems to give some vindication to Herodotus' account. The second element that Herodotus presents that seems to feed into the later tale reported by Plutarch and Lucian would be how he presents the events after the battle had been fought. At the start of this episode, I had provided a summary of the events following the battle, but I want to just focus in on one part and present what Herodotus says. While the Persian fleet was on its way around Sunium, the Athenians hurried back with all possible speed to save their city and succeed in reaching it before the arrival of the Persians. As we did see, the Athenians made it back to Athens before the Persians and were able to prevent the capture of their city. Even on this point, many have disputed how quickly the Athenians were able to make it the 40 kilometres back to Athens after having fought a battle. A proposal has been made that they probably left the next day after having rested since the journey for the Persians to sail around the southern Attic coast would have taken a day. Though, given the urgency of this matter and what was at stake, I'm more inclined to believe that the Athenians left Marathon as soon as possible. I find it hard to believe that they would rely on the idea that it should take the Persians a day to make the journey, so there was no rush. Plus, it appears the Athenians had arrived some time before the Persians, as Herodotus tells us that they had enough time to establish a camp at another site to Heracles. To me, this indicates they left not long after the battle, 
and made it back with plenty of time to spare. If they had left the next day, they would have been cutting it close to beat the Persians. So now that we have covered all of the relevant accounts that point to the first marathon run taking place, let's see if we can arrive at a conclusion on how likely it was that it actually took place. Let's first begin with a story of the single runner sent from the battlefield as told by Plutarch and Lucian. So the biggest factor in questioning the credibility of the story of the single runner returning to Athens after the Battle of Marathon is the length of time from the battle to the appearance of these accounts. The Battle of Marathon would take place in 490 BC while Plutarch and Lucian were writing in the 1st and 2nd centuries AD respectively. This would see that there would be 500 to 600 years from the apparent event to their accounts. As I have said before, for an action that so much praise was placed upon by Plutarch and Lucian, one would think that this would have been the very type of thing Herodotus would have recorded. This period was his main focus and he would have been well aware of the events that were celebrated around the Greek and Persian War. Another factor that casts some doubt on these stories is to do with the writers themselves. Plutarch was a biographer, but is known for inserting colourful stories within these accounts that are hard to verify. While Lucian was often celebrated for his wit and rhetoric, rather than his historical accuracy. He would have been working from other sources, and therefore is hard for us to judge how credible these were since we don't know what he worked from. It does seem he might have had some of the same sources of Plutarch, or borrowed from his work. But it is apparent that even if he had worked from Plutarch, he seems to have borrowed from some other sources as well, since he does report different names than that of Plutarch. Herodotus' tale of Pheidippides run to Sparta and back was truly a remarkable feat, and it seems probable it is this run that may have been garbled into this run back to Athens after the battle. This would have been easy to do, since Herodotus does record that a march back to Athens had to take place to defend the city. When it comes down to it, I am more inclined to see what Herodotus records as being the actual events around the battle, since he did have access to the veterans, and the stories around the battle would still be in living memory. While in modern times it has been shown what he records was very possible to achieve. So when it comes to the question of if the first marathon run took place around the Battle of Marathon, I think we can safely say it did. Whether it was how Plutarch and Lucian record can still be up for debate, but it seems we have accounts suggesting some great feats of endurance had taken place. Whether this would be from a single runner departing Marathon to come and inform the city of the Athenians' victory at Marathon, or it could be in the form of the even greater feat of Pheidippides running to try and secure Spartan aid. Though, even if we want to still question these two runs, the fact is that some 8,000 Athenians had to depart Marathon Bay after gaining their victory. If they did not head back to Athens in a timely manner, their city could be lost to the Persians. So, in a way, we could say that the entire Athenian army, minus the two tribes that remained on the battlefield, had to complete their own marathon, so they could arrive in time to protect Athens. This concludes our look at some of the questions that still hang over the Battle of Marathon. As you have probably seen, it is difficult for us to answer these questions with any sort of certainty. Though hopefully I have provided more information and context around what was taking place at Marathon over these episodes, to where you have been able to come to a conclusion yourself. I have really enjoyed looking over Marathon in this level of detail, as it is one of the battles I have always been fascinated with. I don't think this will be our last time looking at Marathon in the series. Perhaps an interview with an expert in the future could be on the cards. 
we will now be moving on with our bonus episodes, where next month I would like to look at an influential figure of this period. So I hope you look forward to next month where we will be having a closer look at Miltiades, often seen as the hero of Marathon. Thanks again everyone for the support, and I can't believe it has now been four years since I began casting through Ancient Greece. I hope you will look forward to everything that is to come for 2024.